knows, man? <laughs> All right. All right, ready to rock and roll, Dr. Cruz? I am. All right, Ty, you ready? Who knows, man? <laughs> All right. All right, Kevin, that's all I got this morning. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> I'm out. Tyler, who are we taking a time out with today? Oh, Kevin, thank you. Uh, we have uh, Dr. Kimberly Cruz, the Chief Education Officer at Renaissance Academy Charter School of the Arts. Kimberly, thanks for taking the time out with Kevin and I this morning. Glad to have you on the show. Happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. You bet. We've already felt your energy coming off you hot and hot and heavy this morning, just uh, shooting the breeze with you. Um, I just want to know uh, what's been the best part of your day so far? That I get to see kids every single day and just seeing them as they come off the school buses and seeing them with that energy ready to learn something and just really being with their friends. That is a feeling and that's something to see every day. You, you can't beat that and you can't match that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah that's that energy the best even... thing of my day. Every that's single why this, day. That's why this interview is going to be a fan, fan, yeah. fantastic because we're going to feed off your energy. Yeah. Speaking about energy, I, I know my energy bill is going to be going up here because we're expecting another winter storm. And those that do not know Dr. Kimberly Cruz, she has gradually worked her way up to the north. So she started down in Atlanta, you know, then worked her way to Pittsburgh. And now she's really in getting closer to that Canadian border here, which means more snow and cold weather. What do you like most about Rochester since you've been here besides the cold weather and the snow? <laughs> what I really love about Rochester is that it is a flat terrain. So having lived in Pittsburgh for six and a half years where it's very, very hilly, I love the fact that it's flat. And so <laughs> I, love I love that. <laughs> And I know you're a big food fan. We, uh, we've had tacos once before. Um, but uh, if you were to take Tyler and I out to your favorite place in Rochester right now, where would that be? Oh, my goodness. So I've just joined this supper club, right? And someone who is, who's leading the supper club literally gave me a list of all of these restaurants. And so some of the ones that I like so far are, if you're a breakfast person, I like Jines, J-I-N-E-S. Um, that's a great one. Um, I went to this steakhouse that's called Black and Blue. That great one is a, a great one as well. Um, I'm not a foodie. I really want to be one though. I really <laughs> feel like I really want to because I love going to different places and trying some things that I haven't had. So yeah, so try those two places. I have a lot more. I just can't think of them right now, but <laughs> I'm just just crossing things off my list. Hey, that's good. Rochester's got a hell of a culinary scene. I know that. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, do you miss Hotland at all, Kimberly? Of course. That's where my family is. Those are my Southern roots. I miss <laughs> it, but, you know, I now that we, you know, can FaceTime people, we can always be on these Zoom calls. It's not really like you you don't really feel as separated as I could have felt if we were just still with straight telephone. So I always speak to my family and friends every single day. And so I don't miss it, but I do miss my family. Yeah. And that weather. And that weather. And that sun. And that biscuits and gravy and grits too. 
What you know about gravy and grits? Uh, I'm, I'm from the dirty south too, Mrs. Uh, Dr. Cruz. I'm from Arkansas. Yes, and do not put sugar in your grits. That is uh, a blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler was telling me about the last time he was down in Arkansas about far, fried okra, and I just smiled and nodded like I knew what that was. I was like, I know what okra. Is. I've never had. Fried but I saw okra. okra at Wegmans. I bought it all. Wow. I was Whoa. like, what the heck? There's fresh cut okra. And I just got it all, went and got my flour, went and got my whatever the heck else I made my fried okra with. And I was probably the only one of the 585 doing that. You know, <laughs> they were like, who's buying up all the okra? All <laughs> right. Well, Tyler, my, my music ear really isn't that great. I had no idea what song you played in for the intro, but it was okay. But you and I always like to learn from other people about their music. And what they like. Uh, so, Dr. Cruz, if we caught you karaokeing late night at uh, Black and Blue, what uh, what song would you request the karaoke to? Oh, I have lots of artists. I love Robin Thicke. Um, oh, I love R&B. Um, interestingly, though, I learned to love bluegrass. Interesting oh. story. Interesting story. When I was student teaching in Atlanta, uh, one of my, my co-op teacher, the person who you kind of learn from, he played in a bluegrass band and he played the banjo and he would bring his banjo to class and he would play it for the students. And I learned to appreciate bluegrass. And so interesting fact about me. So I'm really kind of like a, a plethora of, of songs, but some of my favorite artists, Queen Latifah, um, like I said, Robin Thicke, and the list goes on and on and on. And on. That's Gospel. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So all good music there. All good music. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Cruz, I was going to ask you, you know, uh, you said the kids uh, get you going, in, you know, uh, in the morning when you see that energy. Um, how do you continue to match that energy? You know, I'm not saying we're getting old by any means, but I'm feeling it sometimes when <laughs> yeah. I see some spry spunk out there. And, you know, I almost get jealous, you know, <laughs> that I... I, I don't fully have it, but how do you keep re recreating yourself every day to, to match that energy? Well, you know, the beauty of being around children every single day is that they don't judge you. Mm. They allow you to be who you are, who you are uh, uniquely. And so you know that they light up when you light up. And so it's, it's something that I guess it just radiates off of them that you just feel their energy in their innocence. And so you take that and you're like, ah, I love it. And I want to be a part of that. And so I, that is the beauty of being around children every day. Mm -hmm. they, they, they believe you, they trust you, and they just feed off of your energy and I feed off of theirs. Wow. Right, uh, and I was going to ask you, what was your, what was your first job ever? I worked, I worked for um, Burger King. Oh, so slinging some whoppers, love it. Yes, that was the thing. And, and back then, so the uniform has definitely changed. <laughs> and, uh, then it was the, kind of this rust color. I'm, I'm definitely going to be aging myself in a minute. It was this rust color. I like know, I remember, yeah. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> that was my first job. That color hit the stains well. I think that's what they were going for. <laughs> that I didn't know. That I didn't know. <laughs> 
and you mentioned like working your way up. I remember working the front of the um the front of the store and then the drive through and then they moved me back to the back because the kitchen is where it was. It's like you were in charge of so many different things mm-hmm. and then they started you like on fries and then they move you around. And so it was cool. I didn't work there very long, maybe about a couple of years. Yeah. But still enough to understand and gain some work ethics and not just working for family um and your parents and things like that so you that's when you well that's when I first understood the value of the dollar yeah. right when you get that first paycheck and you're like <laughs> oh yeah wait a minute you guys owe me some more money yeah and, and, what's and this, that, one of these negatives yeah. at the bottom of the paycheck <laughs> and that's when you realize too that you have to start paying for your own things now and things are not as important as as things that you want when you have to pay for them yourself, when you ask your parents for things like, I want this, I want this, and I want this. And when you have your own money, it's like, well, you have your own money. And you're like, do I really want that? Like, well, that's really what you start that. to yeah. decide <laughs> if it's really something you want yeah. or need. That is so important. And I want to go back to a couple of things that you said about the kids, because you said they believe in you, they trust you, and they probably allow you and enable leadership to make mistakes, right? They do. Tyler, does that sound familiar to some of the top leadership capability? Are, are children better leaders than the leaders that we have in some of the positions today? I think we always say we learned it all in kindergarten, right? Literally, man. That's it, it comes back full circle. And that's really got me thinking <laughs> because like the children are creating that inclusive environment that I think businesses are fighting so hard to build mm-hmm. today, right? What are, how do you build that inclusive environment for your teachers, for your staff, and for everybody else on your team so they too, outside of the children, feel that inclusivity? So one of the things would, you know, helping people to feel that they are part of the organization or part of the school is that sense of voice, voice and choice. Um, and, and doing the exact same thing with our students, allowing their voices to be elevated and allowing them some choices and not necessarily choice where you know, we're going to do this or this, and then they choose from what you've chosen or what you thought was important, but what are some of the things that you think we can do? And so being here in a, in a new type of environment in terms of charter schools, because um, all of my 24 plus years in education have been in traditional mm-hmm. public schools, mm-hmm. you know, understanding and allowing people to to come to me with some of their suggestions because I'm still learning in this. And I think that is part of who I am as a learner. I always go, um, you know, feed in first because I want to always learn something new. I feel like every single day I should be learning something new. And so when you can teach me something, that's great. So when I go back and think about collaborative or collective kind of organization, allowing people to have a voice and, and genuinely meaning, I want to hear what you have to say and how collaborative can we be to make some of these decisions? I think those things are key. Bam. And uh, Dr. Cruz, I was always just a public school kid. So I get so confused mm-hmm. when I see like school of the arts. Can you iron that out for me? What does that even mean? So let me give it to you in our context, because okay. when you hear the phrase school of the arts, most times that is a performing art school where students has some sort of a major, they may be majoring in visual arts. Violin. Violin, (laughs) viola, (laughs) and what have you. But um, School of the Arts, as far as Renaissance Academy is concerned, we are an arts integration focused school. We're not a School of the Arts where our students are majoring in dance, theater. 
However, we use the arts to help our students understand other content areas. So we teach through the arts and we teach in the arts. And so I think that's the difference here. So we know that arts integration, it works. And so that is our focus here. I love that you're saying teach through the arts. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's amazing. And, that, and that, thank you for breaking that, Tyler. I had almost the same question because I think there's a lot of assumptions, right? I'm from Elmira. It's a small town um, and we opened a charter school. Um, and the thought in the town being so small was very divided, right? It was like, oh, that charter school is taking money away from the public mm -hmm. school districts. So there's a lot of assumptions as to charter schools and things like that. And hopefully on this platform today and this conversation, I was hoping to ask you that question, right? Okay. What is the difference between a charter school and a public school, right? And why is the Renaissance Academy so different? Because I know a lot of the programs that you guys do offer, and I did want to kind of shine some light on these unique programs that are untraditional and outside the box. So one of the vast differences between a charter school and a traditional public school, we're both a public school, so meaning we rely on public funds. The difference between a public school and a charter school is that the charter school is being governed, governed mm -hmm. by its internal uh, leadership team and its board of trustees. Whereas in a public school, is being governed by the superintendent. Um, and again, and a lot of the state requirements, which is still the case for charter schools as well. We still abide by the same regulations. I think what is the, the maybe the major difference is that charter schools can, can be very innovative I and be that. very creative in how they approach learning. Whereas that's not always the case with traditional public schools. It's, yeah. Um, and that was one of the things that led me to charter school is that this is where as a creative person by nature, mm -hmm. being in a space who, or being in a school that exudes creativity and innovation, that is, was the thing that was just drawing me to this concept. That. What I think is also important is that parents have a choice hmm. in how they want their children, their children to be educated. And so oftentimes um, public schools doesn't always offer a sense of creativity or that choice. It's kind of like, this is the way we're doing things. It's the way we've always done things. And charter schools provide a choice for families. So whereas you, you mentioned earlier with the art, sometimes it's getting cut. Um, oftentimes that is something that you may see in a lot of traditional schools. Mm. What is the beauty here is that we will never have to worry about that. And we, we, we feel so strongly about the arts that not only do our students get traditional arts education, but they also get arts integration. And there are not a lot of schools out there that offer both of these kind of programs. Yeah. And I think what you were saying, and I, I, I say this frequently too, is that we all learn in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that was my biggest frustration growing up in the public education. And I started a parochial school, so I was mm -hmm. in the Catholic school, and then I made my way mm -hmm. to public school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you talk about my world shifting and getting a real world experience. Yeah. High school was a real world experience because I, I grew up in La La Land and then I had, oh shit. You went to high school. There's a real world. Yeah. This is how, this is how everybody else lives. But that was the most distinguishing thing that you said is that nobody learns the same exact way. And I think that they were trying to teach to a test rather than mm -hmm. teaching actually understanding how to learn, how to teach yourself, time management, and some of these other things that you mentioned, teaching through art, 
but also finances. I mean, sometimes we're not even getting these skills in high school and then we're in financial purgatory after high school because now we have so much uh, credit debt and things like that. What are, what are some of the things that you guys are looking at um, for the future of learning? Because now we're hearing students are behind, right? Because of Mm -hmm. the pandemic. What are you guys doing over there? And are kids really behind Dr. Cruz? I don't know. Okay. So two questions there. What are we doing here? One of the things that we, the kind of the buzzword now is social emotional learning or SEL or social emotional needs. I say buzzwords because a lot of these approaches always are very cyclical. They may have started at 10 years ago. We called it something else. They keep coming back around. We put a new name on it, but (laughs) But for a lot of people, we just call that good teaching. So we, we want to know where our students are and how they're showing up every day. And we want to teach to those needs. So if they're not having a very great day, we want to figure out what is going on with them inside so that we can, you know, garner these relationships so that we can get them to a point where we know that they, we need for them to be at the end of a unit, at the end of the month, at the end of the school year. So we need to just, just do a little bit more probing hey how how are you today what happened Mm -hmm. last night what did you know what's going on so that we can get the best out of our students every single day so you're getting personal with them we're getting personal with them we're getting personal and that's that's just good teaching that is that is good teaching and I forgot the second question so you're gonna have to ask me that one again no, I, do you feel like the students are behind? Because everybody, oh. as we, and, and this is a very applicable to the working world too, is being that hybrid remote or are we in school for full time? Like, are the kids behind um, today in your estimation? And not in my estimation. It just depends on who you're asking. And so, um, you know, students are always learning. They learn from each other. They, they are social learners. So they're learning from their families. And now with so many things that they learn on television and computers, they're always learning. What they are lacking is that standardization of learning or that formal learning um, where where many may believe that students are behind. So when we have these sets of standards and objectives and goals, you know, perhaps. And even so, it's the formalized learning, like I mentioned before, this but it doesn't mean that they're not reading. It doesn't mean that they're not comprehending. Mm-hmm. It just means that's where we're falling a little short. But those are things that we can easily catch up um, very, very quickly. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Cruz, thank you. And you, you keep uh, chiming in on creativity and being creative. And that's like my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> but just be me and just, you know, as pump as much Tyler White in this universe as I possibly can my way and in a, in a positive way. Um, I was asking, I wanted to ask you in your experience with these kids is, is creativity kind of, are you born with it or, or is it how you're raised or is it, what's your opinion on that? How, how does that come about? I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I know you're a lot around a lot of um, people pumping out creativity. Um, so how's that, how's that organically grow? So too, some kids are innately creative because maybe their parents were creative uh, kind of growing up, but creativity can be something, it's something that can be taught. Hmm. And so uh, we help students through, you can give students prompts, like 
here's a problem of practice. I need to make certain that we move from here to here, just to give you an example. How can we move from here to here with, with, with just this and this and without that? And so when you ask them to start critically thinking about things, that's when that creativity starts to spark. If you just really sat and listened to students and as they are coming up with an idea, you can hear the creativity coming out. Oftentimes what happens developmental wise, students definitely in elementary school are very, very creative. It's sometimes when they move to middle school, that's when that creativity is then stifled because peer pressure, they don't think the way my friends think and so they push that away. Sometimes we have educators who stifle students' creativity once they start moving to middle grades. And so, and it's not just students who are creative, adults are too. And so people will always say, I'm not creative. I'm not creative. Everyone is creative. And so I, I caution people that don't confuse creativity with artistry. Some people may not be able to draw, but that doesn't mean that they're not creative. Coming up with a solution to do something that's different, to think outside of the box, that's creativity. Mm-hmm. So everybody is creative. And like I said, don't confuse that with artistry. And I love what you said about stifling, because if I had to go back, right, when you're making that transition from elementary school to middle school, it is it does start to become more of that popularity contest, mm-hmm. right? And that social mm-hmm. social experiment. Mm-hmm. And I can so, totally see where it's like the teachers, it's, it's very similar to the context of what businesses are trying to create today, right? They're trying to create that environment for creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, but most businesses, um, directly or indirectly, have really stifled the creativity of their own right. innovation and, and strategic thinking mm-hmm. within their organization. How do you get that back from your employees, right? How do you create, I know you create the inclusive culture, but how, and these open lines of communication that you have, but how do you, I guess, continue to always be innovating the way that you guys are doing things at the Renaissance Academy too? Well, and that this is, I hope this doesn't come off like what, one of the things that I believe that COVID has done for education in general, it allowed educators to, for once, um, really put in place some of those great ideas that they've been thinking wow. about all wow. the time. Wow, how yes. cool is that? Yes, because you we had to think outside the box. Yes. We were like, what are we going to do? I don't know, but we got to do this. We can do this and we can. COVID wow. was perfect for education. Wow. Um, th- the issue may be is how much of it are we continuing to allow teachers and educators to continue to be Mm -hmm. creative? Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the things that I do is, again, nothing is off the table. So we have this problem of practice. What can we do? Well, I was thinking we could do this. Great, let's write it down. Well, I don't think we could do that because let's not think about that. Let's just keep all the things. If there were no barriers, if there were no time constraints, what are some of the things that we would do? That is what is building people's creativity. That is um, um, garnering that infusion, um, excuse me, that inclusivity that allow people to want to be a part of the organization and want to even uh, suggest something. Exactly, sure. You, you've welcomed it. You told me from the beginning that nothing is off the table. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm going to give you my best of my best. Yeah. Right, because you're like, now I can really, really dream. And, and being a creative person and pulling that out of students, 
can also pull that out of adults. I love that. And, and, and this, for the same reason, the three things that you shared about the students, they believe in you, they trust in you, and they'll mm-hmm. allow you to fall on your face and make mm-hmm. a mistake because they'll still be there to pick you up. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. same thing that you're saying to the adults within the organization themselves. Absolutely. As a leader, you're saying the same things to them so they feel comfortable to come with you to, with you or Correct. to you with some of these innovative ideas. And that's innovative. that's really always been fascinating to me because I think leadership needs to turn internally more um, rather than externally. I think a lot mm-hmm. of times they look externally to the organization, to consultants, to people that really mm-hmm. don't understand the business mm-hmm. um, and they should be turning internally and just opening that ear um, and really listening. And I loved what you said, asking the right questions mm-hmm. earlier too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Education, right? And, and what you were talking from a creativity perspective, that's one of the biggest complaints that I've heard from teachers in public education with this new system, right? Um, I, I, I could not do a math problem that way that they want us to do. I saw it on the news once and I, I, I don't know, I will never, I won't be able to learn that. Mm-hmm. I will try. But how, how damaging, I guess, is it that we are creating um, these environments or not creating, excuse me, these environments for teachers to really get in tune with what they have been taught through school, right? Is to be creative, think outside the box, connect with the students on an individualized basis mm-hmm. so they can learn the way that they need to learn. Are we are we killing that creativity with more standardization? Um, no, I don't think we are. I mean, because there are some educators that need a little bit more support, but I, what I would always like to offer to educators is that those teachers and, and, and educators who, you know, can take, some 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 educators just can use a blueprint like mm-hmm. just let me know what the overall goals are let me have it take it and i can run with it and i can do some great things whereas some educators need just a little bit more give me maybe a little bit more of a scripted kind of a lesson plan let me know what i should be doing here oftentimes that may be new teachers mm-hmm. that may be teachers who i like to use the phrase emerging still just trying to get there and they still need those supports so it's the same types of supports that we give to students who are learning to come into their space too. Let me hold your hand just a little bit longer. And when you're ready to let go, I'm gonna let you let go. Um, But just still allowing them to be creative. Now I am a visual learner. I did not have the benefit of a teacher growing up who realized that I was a visual learner and everything seemed everything was very abstract. Like I want to see pictures. Like when you do math problems, I want to see pictures. I want to see why this is the way. And that is what, you know, now Common Core does for our students. So yes, it does parents, attention of parents. Yes, parents. It does take us, the people who learn through processes and formulas, it takes us a long time to grasp that. And we wonder, why are you doing it that way? That's Mm -hmm. the long way. Mm -hmm. But they are understanding conceptually why this answer is this answer more so than this answer is this answer because I learned it to be that. (laughs) Because one plus one equals two. Right. (laughs) Right. And so, right. So it seems like a lot of process, a lot more steps. And there are for the people like us who mm-hmm. learned a different way, but the students are retaining more information and they understand why. And then when they learn certain steps or certain um, standards uh, conceptually, then they can advance to the next step and it makes better sense versus I just had to remember this. I can't mm-hmm. remember why and so on and so forth, because really we're trying to get away from 
you know, the processes. Remember in algebra, it was that foil? Yeah. Kind of thing, oh, yeah. Oh, God, you're going to give me PTSD here. <laughs> I, once they started introducing shit yeah. and these weird symbols, that's when they lost right. And you're like, I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To oh. see it in class. I mean, I was I was, was in a class last week and, and the students were working on fractions on the number line, but to see how they were taking word problems and putting them on the the number line to understand the distance between one point to another mm -hmm. and and just to see that i mean it's magical mm -hmm. it's magical to see when a student learns in a concept for the for the very first time or when they get it because it's like you are you're sitting there watching them process things and understand things in real time and they let you know like i got it like it is, is so, and it has to be so rewarding for you and the absolutely. Yeah. And they are so excited, and it is it's so rewarding. It That's is so cool. That's awesome, Doctor Cruz. And sorry, I had to get up and help the wife there. Okay. Uh, but I was gonna. I'm a, I'm a visual learner as well, and a hands-on learner, Dr. Mm -hmm. Cruz. So imagine me in chemistry in high school in the 90s. I was like, oh, yeah, uh, right. Balance yeah, yes. right. Where is this stuff? <laughs> you can't see it. This is not right. right. Um, but I, I was just thinking of that. I had a flashback there, too. Kevin, oh, my gosh. Just, just get through it. Get the right, right number and get out. Right down, just get, it, get the passing grade and move on. Yeah, yeah and, and to me, Dr. Cruz, um, I can figure out anything in my experience, if I have passion for it, if I feel like it's a purpose of mine to, to be um, in whatever sector of work it is or um, an equation, what, how do you, at, at what age do you guys kind of start trying to figure out kids' purposes or passions and what they're really good at? I mean, because to me, it's like, cool, it's a great school in all these different aspects, but if you're not narrowing it down and honing in on that specific kid, what good is it? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not trying to challenge the school system at all, but mm -hmm. if we have a perfect world someday, why not hone in on that mm -hmm. specific kid's passion and, and kind of where do you see the future in that? that that's kind of what the meat and potatoes I want to learn from you. Well, I think part of it is called just um, uh, kind of, I'm, I'm forgetting my word, but one of the things that we want to do is make these opportunities available mm. for students and not feel like you need to say, what am I good at now? Mm -hmm. Or what, what should I focus on now? Just continue to give them all of these different experiences so that they can continue to explore. And the reason for that as adults, we're still doing the same thing. Um, I, I met with a person when I was in Pittsburgh and, and, and she said something to me that was very interesting she said to me this is not going to be your last position in Pittsburgh you know you're going to probably do seven more jobs that's what she told me in, in Pittsburgh like six years ago because we're always growing we're always evolving and where you are now is not your last place you are still learning you're still gaining new skills and mm -hmm. And so don't feel like you should pigeonhole yourself and like, yeah. I'm the best finance person in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it comes easy I'm 25. I see yeah. myself at 82. I'm going to still just be crunching numbers. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. allow yourself, allow yourself yeah. to explore new things. I love that you said that the different experiences and opportunities to explore. Right. And mm -hmm. I think that is so important because if I go back to when I was 
going through high school and you know you're graduating. The guidance counselors, to Tyler's point, are really, um, they push college so much, mm -hmm. right? And we know that there are certain people I can go back to class that never should have went to college, right? They never, <laughs> yeah. just, it wasn't, they weren't meant for it school. Wasn't, and it's not. It wasn't in their, what is it in their sweet spot, you know? And that's the same thing that we keep seeing to draw the parallels to business today is like this whole idea of putting, uh, finding jobs that are more aligned with your strengths versus your weaknesses, because if you're more uh, daily involved in your weaknesses, it's going to be exhausting, you're burnt mm -hmm. out, and so on and so forth. So the parallels that we see from the educational systems and kind of how that has an impact or um, a, a correlation with the business world is, is pretty entertaining from this conversation right now. Mm -hmm. um, and the one thing I wanted to ask you being on the educational side to Tyler's point is we're, the professional world is going to be moving at a pace that the educational system has never seen before, right? We're talking about skills that are only going to be good for two and a half years. And that is a pace that the education and higher education system has never even had to experience and never really was a priority. How do you see education shifting and changing? Um, I see more certification processes myself instead of these long two, four-year terms. But I wanted to ask you because, again, the parallels between education and business from this conversation alone are just so intertwined. Right. And so we have this kind of a melted pot of, of all of these different career opportunities and, and how they're going to look. They all going to look different. And so I think we have to make certain that we help our students with these 21st century skills, mm -hmm. creativity, critical thinking, collaboration and communication. If our students wow. and if we're teaching our students those things, even the pandemic itself has created some opportunities that maybe five years ago that someone probably said, we won't be doing that. We won't need that. Right? <laughs> but, but as long as we can help students learn how to communicate their ideas or clearly articulate what they're thinking or trying to get across, that's going to always be helpful. You're going to always, for the most part, have to work with somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, it may not be directly, maybe a little bit indirectly, but there's going to be someone you're going to have to bounce ideas off of mm -hmm. or receive information from in order to do your job. That's where that collaboration piece. But we need people who can think outside the box. Mm -hmm. yeah. You can't, you have to move away from status quo. Mm -hmm. I know we did this last week. I know we said, but today it has already changed. Mm -hmm. So you want to get people in a space where things are ever changing. And I, that is one of the things that I do like about education because every single day is totally different. Yeah. We create lesson plans, but you write lesson plans knowing that at a drop of a dime, mm -hmm. something is going to happen and you may have to pivot hmm. or be flexible in that plan. You cannot be that glued to that lesson plan like, no, because the students may not, you may have in your mind think that the students are going to receive this this way. They're going to, we're going to move further along. You see that there's some students are struggling in the class and that we need to reteach some of those concepts. You have to stop. You know, like I need to reteach this concept. I know I'm supposed to be much further along. Mm -hmm. That is what we have to do in education. But those four things, those 21st century skills, I live by them. I think they are paramount. And I think as long as we help students understand that, then we as a society will always be able to create new uh, jobs or new careers oh, yeah. as our, as our the, the, these are soft skills. Soft, soft skills can be trained. These are, these are characteristics. These are character Absolutely. traits, right? These are character traits that help them to determine, are they right, able, and you, are, right, you and have the, the ability to learn new skills? Exactly. Right? You have the ability to learn new things. These are not like content based 
I need to know all of the reg equations in order to, it's not those, but can you collaborate with, can you communicate to your professor of sort that you don't understand these these concepts so that they can help you Mm. So that's why those skills are so paramount. I have to, so I'm, and Tyler, I'm sorry for talking, but I have to, I have to turn the key on this one a little bit more. So those skills, right? You ask an, you ask an adult, right, to be more empathetic or a um, more God, what's a, uh, a emotionally intelligent leadership is what we're talking mm-hmm. about. You're, you get some people that tell you that I don't have, I, I wasn't born with that. I was born, I'm not soft, right? I'm not soft. I, I, that's never going to be me. Um, but what I'm hearing you say is that these these skills that are vitally important to the success of leadership and business theoretically and education um, can be nurtured. It's not it nature. Right. It can be nurtured. And when you talk about people and you use the example that I'm not soft, but you do care about something. Hmm. So if you care about anything in your life, you can be soft about something. You, Love that. I mean... Yeah. But even just that word, right? It's it's the same thing with mental health right now, and yeah, and, and we're, we're we're like the word soft would never be a word that I would choose to use Correct. in a conversation, right? It's just that would say that somebody wouldn't have any emotional intelligence. Correct. Um, so when you are talking about mental health and kind of, and, and it seems like that is an important focus for the school right now and the students. Mm-hmm. How are you expanding that out to the teachers as well to make sure that you're creating that safe space that they can come to you with any issues they're having mentally as well? So one of the things that we did earlier in the school year, uh, we had, this was probably the first time we peaked in our COVID cases. We had a professional development day uh, scheduled the following week. It was a day when, in which school was closed, you know, closed to school that day and, and, and said, staff, take this day for yourself because your mental health, your well-being is far more important than anything else. Because if you can't show up with your head right, mm-hmm. You're not is going to exude in front of our students. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they, like I mentioned before, we feed off them, they feed off us. And so I need everyone in a good space. But what we've also done this year is called this actual calendar year is called priority, personal priority Wednesdays. And mm-hmm. so we've given um, uh, our staff like three particular Wednesdays in which uh, we have early release day for the most part every Wednesday. But on three Wednesdays, we say, when the students leave, you can leave too, no questions asked. Um, if the students leave at one o'clock, if you wanna leave at 102 and, 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 and getting, you know, getting pulled in by the exhaust from the buses, that's up to you. <laughs> you can leave and to handle your personal needs. Um, we had one last week, I suggested to the staff, go to a movie. Mm-hmm. have lunch with a friend or two mm-hmm. go home and take a nap yeah. like we want to make certain that we are taking care of the people who are helping our students to achieve and succeed and and for me their mental being their well-being their wellness their health is my ultimate concern i love that that is awesome. And there's so many things I've written down after Cruz in the last like eight minutes. From, <laughs> from, I mean, when you were talking about, when I asked you about, you know, trying to find a, a student's passion or purpose, I love that how you put it back on the student. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, I'm going to give you these opportunities. I'm going to give you these experiences because it's not really in our control. You know, that that's, right. comes from an inner self there. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about you, yeah, yeah, taking care of the teachers and mental health and everything. And 
for some reason it popped up in my head. I've been reading a book my wife gave me called The Untethered Soul. And when I get into that kind of funk, I, it says the remember that you're floating on a little blue ball mm-hmm. in, in this universe, you know, and, yeah. and it, it's just, for some reason it just, it, it enlightens my heart, no matter how stressful of a situation I'm in, mm-hmm. you know, I just step back and I'm like, wait a second, I'm floating on a blue ball guys mm-hmm. somehow in this universe. I'm all right. Mm-hmm. You know, and just to not take things so serious. And I don't mean to say that in, in a loose way, mm-hmm. um, but you, you just put things so, so accurately, Dr. Cruz. Mm-hmm. And it's just, is the, this is an awesome conversation. Um, I guess I was wanting to ask you after my little tangent there on what the heck to ask you next <laughs> is um, kind of, uh, let's see, what gets you, I don't even want to ask you what gets you out of bed in the morning, but what, what um, day-to-day practices do you do to keep reinventing yourself and to re- recreating yourself to keep yourself fresh for, for yourself? Because you just said you put it on the teachers to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. How does Dr. Cruz do it? Because you're doing something right. <laughs> You know, sometimes I guess we're, I guess I move so much and so fast until sometimes I forget that, what am I doing? So, <laughs> so, so what I've started to do, and I just, this is my second day is that, um, and this is one of my kind of new year's intentions, but to journal in my gratitude journal, mm, I want to be that. able to write down the things that I'm grateful for and, 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 and go with that. I, I do start my days with daily affirmations. You know, sometimes we are our own best cheerleaders mm-hmm. and sometimes we can't get that high five and that pat on the back by somebody else. You got to do it for yourself. And you're like, girl, you're awesome. Girl, you got this. You better get in there and show everybody that you know how to do what you're doing. And, and that's what I have to do because that is what's helping me move through my own personal affirmation. But again, like I just said, I started journaling some gratifications, but um, I've always been a, my own motivator. So it, it was never, I never waited for people to give me the endorsement to say, you know, you can go to college. You know, you should go and work on advanced degrees. You know that I never needed that. I never needed that from anyone. It was always kind of, um, I, I never struggled with, with that. It was, I was always self-motivated and I always wanted to, you know, to, to do more than what's, what's next for you. You can do that. And I felt like whatever someone else is doing, I can do it too. So that, that was not waiting for endorsements. That should be everybody's quote mm-hmm. in 2022, because I think right. that, is, that is so, so, so powerful. That is mm-hmm. so powerful. And that the gratitude journal alone is just, is that opportunity to stop? I mean, life is moving fast. Tyler and right. I talk, joke all the time. Is like, I don't even know what I did today, but I know I did right. a lot. Like, I, I know right. I got a lot done. I just right. I can't. I can't. And you get might think you're not doing anything. You're like, exactly. I haven't made a difference in anybody's life. And you're like, but wait, yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah. And then we all have those different love languages, like you're saying, yeah. work. And sometimes we're not getting the pats on the back, right? And that's, that's my biggest thing. And it sounds like you create those types of environments within your organization that you do mm-hmm. do shout outs, right? You mm-hmm. do let people know that I love what you said about taking care of the, the teachers who are taking care of the students, because it's all about the students. Mm-hmm. Like that's the same thing about an employee experience equals customer experience in the business. Yeah, absolutely. World. And, and that's so important that if teachers right. are coming with an absorbent amount of stress and mm-hmm. to their day job, you know, they're not going to be as effective and as motivating for those students. So that, absolutely. Kudos to just, right. to, this whole conversation this has been fascinating and amazing. 
One of the last questions that I had, and then Tyler, you can take it away with the last uh, question um, for the day. But Dr. Cruz, we typically like to ask some interview questions. We know you have some openings over there and uh, we haven't done this in a while, but I wanted to ask you an interview question just to see how, how you would respond. Okay. If you were to write a book, what would you title it and what would it be about? I um, let me come back to the title, but I would want it to be more along with just giving people confidence to move forward in their journey. And so I mentioned to you this daily kind of affirmation. I wouldn't want it to be more of this kind of autobiography. I think that might be a little pretentious, but <laughs> but uh, but just helping people move to the next level. And and maybe the title would be the journey continues or you're, mm -hmm. you're in the midst of your journey. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and it goes back to when I mentioned to you earlier that it's not over for you, right? You don't know what the next thing will do for you or be your next big thing. It's just, I, but I do believe this when I'm here, I will give you 220%. I will give you all of me yeah. and then some. Yeah. And, and so you don't feel like you're just like, you're getting half of people and so on and so forth or half of you. Mm -hmm. So I would, it would be a, a book to help people just move through, you know, to really find their destiny or their true destiny and just calling it yeah. you're in the midst of your journey. I had to learn that too. I've heard it referred to as that crooked mild story or crooked mild journey because mm -hmm. you, you really have no, I mean, I, I have a degree in biology and I'm in sales. So like, mm -hmm. I, I, that's kind of not what the guidance counselor told me, but <laughs> somehow, you, you know, you, you still, you're scary. I'm still standing, you know, and I got a beautiful baby and a beautiful wife and uh, some great friends. So um, it all ends up working out in the long run. Yeah. So I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Tyler, take us home, bro. Tyler has the hot topic or the last question for you. the last question. Oh man, I was just I was getting a little emotional over here, guys. I was Sorry, like, man, what's my purpose? Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, let's just uh, you know, thanks for interviewing here, uh, Dr. Kimberly Cruz at uh, Time Out with Leaders. Um, what if if you were uh, given eight trillion dollars tomorrow, what would you spend it on if you couldn't spend it on yourself? I was spending on teachers. I would give teachers the salary that they deserve. Wow. I, I, I don't want, I want teachers to show up and be like, and show up and show out and be like, they believe in me. They believe in me because they've told me that, you know, I hate that, that we associate money with value and things like that. <laughs> but I would want to create a, a kind of a, a system to where, you know, even if it was every teacher received $120,000. This is this is what we this is what we pay our teachers here, and so with that, you already know what the expectations are, you know, with, with that. But I I would make certain that teachers were well compensated. Bravo! It's yeah. about it's about darn time we took uh, serious consideration as to the future generations that we're preparing mm -hmm. in these environments, and probably you want the top talent teaching the future generations because it helps everybody in the community in the long run. Thank <laughs> you.